Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate team mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. How are you? Long time no chat. feel like it's been years. I hope everyone had a nice Easter, a nice Passover last weekend. I was off because I kind of last minute went to Virginia uh, to celebrate with my best friend and her kids, you know, who are my family. So that was really nice. I wasn't going to go because it's just like, it's such a long drive. I didn't want to take Friday off, but I decided to go and I had a really nice time. Um, Just a little heads up. I might have to take an unexpected week off in the next couple weeks because said best friend is 38 weeks pregnant with a baby. And once the baby is born, I'm going to go down that following week, weekend, um, whenever that is. So if she has the baby, like late Wednesday night, I'll go down Friday, but it's possible I won't be able to record this Thursday. And there's no way I can record this in Virginia would not possible. Sometimes I can do, you know, the pod on the road, like the one that I remember when I recorded a podcast was babysitting. <laughs> and I was like scared they were going to come home and find me like hat with my whole setup, just like talking into a mic. And I even was like crying during that episode. Oh, could you imagine? By the way, if you weren't listening back then, it was like way after the kid went to sleep. Um, But so yes, I can sometimes do the pod on the road, but she has three loud-ass kids, soon-to-be-four loud-ass kids, so I don't foresee myself being able to do this podcast in Virginia, so I'm on baby watch, and if that happens, it happens. I apologize. I really, I don't love to take weeks off. I like this to be a weekly podcast that you guys can depend on, and I think I've been pretty good about that uh, in this two, I mean, I've been doing this podcast for a little over two years now, and I'm pretty good about releasing almost every week. I really don't take weeks off. So yeah, I don't want to leave anybody hanging, but that is that. So it's possible next week or the week after there won't be a podcast because I'll be snuggling with my new infant niece or nephew. And I'm so excited to be there. And my best friend and I haven't lived close to each other since we were 18. She went to college in San Diego, and then she moved to Israel, and then she moved to Canada, and I was living in Florida, and now we're only like a four and a half hour drive from each other, which is for us extremely close, and to get to be part of their, obviously not daily, but like I'm a very regular part of their lives, and to get to like go be there when the baby's born. I need to stop talking about this because I'm going to start crying. <laughs> just a really, it's a really beautiful thing. We've been friends for a very long time. We've actually known each other since we were five. We went to Hebrew school together and day camp together when we were very little. And then we became like best friends when we were 15, I think. When we were in 10th grade, we became very close. So we've been friends for a very long time and kept the effort to stay close even when we were living across the world from each other and for it to pay off in this way in which I can be such a large part of her family and she can be such a big part of my life has been, you know, really 
beautiful and amazing. So I'm very excited for the new little baby to come. Uh, she already has three girls, and I think the new one's a girl too. So four little girls is going to be really crazy. But yeah, that's what's going on. Um, I've had a wonderful day so far. I finally, I've been really bad about working out. I still walk a, like a decent amount, although my allergies, oh my God, I have had the hardest week with my allergies. Like, I feel like I'm going to fall asleep at all times. I have headaches. I just, the pollen has been killing me. So I haven't been walking that much because I'm like terrified to go outside. But I just have been not as great with going to yoga because I've just been a little lazy. And I used to go every single Saturday morning at 10.15. I just haven't been doing that for like two months. And I finally dragged myself out of bed this morning and went. I went to bed at 9.45 last night. (laughs) (laughs) and woke up at like 8.15 and was like, okay, I have to go to yoga. So I'm excited. Er, So I went to yoga. I really struggled through it because I haven't been to what's called an invigorate class. My yoga studio is like a power yoga studio and they have invigorate, which is, you know, it's like 95 degrees or whatever. And it's like high intensity yoga, like high intensity cardio with yoga But I have been going to, like, the basics class, which is not really heated. They keep it, I think it's 76, maybe lower, 72. And it's more like a regular yoga class. So I've been going to – I go to that almost every week. But I haven't been to Invigorate in, like, two and a half weeks or more. So that was tough. But that was good. Then I took myself out. I had a lovely omelet. And then – so I've been trying to find a bra that fits for – quite a while. I've been wearing what I know is the wrong bra size. I'm, (laughs) I have huge boobs. I know I was wearing the wrong bra size. And I went on the Reddit subreddit that's called a bra that fits. And they have this like chart thing to help you find a bra. And you measure yourself and take like five or six different measurements. And then you put it in a calculator and it tells you a bra size. And It was confirmed today, like when I went to the shop, I did measure myself right and I had the correct bra size or I like guessed right because actually they had made a 36 band and really I'm a 38 or a 40. I don't know. It's besides the point. But I ordered like probably 10 plus bras from Amazon, like trying to find one that fits. And I thought like I read a lot of reviews in the subreddit and I thought like one of these two brands was going to be perfect for me, and I just, like, could not find a bra that worked. None of them felt like they fit right. They looked kind of crazy when they were on. One bra, guys, I'm so mad about this. So I ordered two bras and <laughs> um, a cleaning supply. I love cleaning supplies, and I don't know if you guys follow Kinja Deals, K-I-N-J-A, which is, like run through, um, like, Deadspin and Jezebel, like, Gizmodo group, formerly Gawker, but I follow them, and they posted this deal for this, like, super heavy-duty cleaning supply. It was, like, $5 from Amazon. I was, like, great. So, two bras and that cleaning supply were all coming on the same day. So, that day, I got delivered, um, from Amazon a box that was heavy, so I knew the cleaning supply was in that. It sounds so weird to say cleaning supply, like a spray, like a spray bottle, but, you know, it probably weighs, like, three pounds, so it was heavy in the box. And then also, like, a soft package. You know, like an Amazon soft package. Are you guys obsessed with ordering from Amazon, too? So I figured I didn't open the soft package right away because I figured both bras were in there and I just, like, didn't feel like trying them on at at that exact moment. So I opened the box with the cleaning supply in it, took the cleaning supply thing out, and threw the box away. 
that day, like, or the next day, that was probably Saturday or Sunday. And then that Monday morning, like, my stepdad took all the trash out. Now, Monday night, I open up the soft package and there's only one bra in there. A $65 bra was in my fucking box with the cleaning supply and I just pulled the cleaning supply out and didn't realize there was a bra laid flat on the bottom. I was so mad. I contacted Amazon about it and like owned up to my mistake. They gave me, I think, a $10 gift card, but it was, that was really heartbreaking. Anyway, I'm so off track. I'm so off track right now. Also, speaking of Amazon, it was Administrative Professionals Day this week and I had no idea and whatever day that was, I came in and my boss just like handed me a card and in my head I was like, I think it's my birthday today. Like, it's not my birthday. And he was like, here you go. And I got a $100 gift card to Amazon for Administrative Professionals Day. And one of my other bosses was like, well, we noticed how many boxes from Amazon you get ordered to the office. We wanted to get you an Amazon one. And I laughed and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I get those ordered to my house. What you're seeing is my returns. Because the thing about me, guys, is that I order um, like two or three of every all clothes that I buy online because I am so bad with knowing what size I am that I order multiples of the same thing and I return like 75% of clothes that I buy. Nothing is forever until I've taken the tag off and worn it once. I return so much stuff, not like in a scammy way. I just hard for me to like really know what I like. My boss laughed and told me she does the same thing. But I just thought, like, my office knows that I'm, like, an Amazon addict and how much stuff I buy buy from there, which is, even though I don't get the stuff delivered from, to the office, they see the returns because, you know, I, like, print my return slip at work. I'm such a mess. And I, oh, so returning, I, like, I, I just never know what size is going to fit me best. I like to order multiple sizes. Also, even in the store when I buy something, I never take off the tags and I keep the receipt until I wear it because I can never like decide if I actually like something until I'm going to wear it like that day. It's a whole thing. I'm so off track. Let me get back. So I have been trying to find a bra. One day I was in Target looking at, I wear under all dresses like these slip shorts. They're like shapewear except they're not restrictive like shapewear kind of like bike shorts but with a high waist if you will and I was in there looking at them one day and a girl from high school that I've seen like I'm so friendly with uh we run into each other occasionally like came up and was like Liz and I was like wow you just found me at my literal most intimate moment like I'm looking at underwear right now and she laughed and told me she was going to find a bra and I told her like my bra adventure that I've been on lately. She was like, oh no, 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 you need to go to Gigi's Boutique in Paoli. Shout out to Gigi's Boutique in Paoli, Pennsylvania, if you live in the area. And I was like, yeah, I guess I should. I have no idea what size I wear. And she's like, no, she's, they're so good. You'll go in there. They'll fit you. It'll be perfect. And I, I was like, okay. And I've kept that in the back of my head. I looked up the store. They're open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Yeah, let that sink in. 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Saturday. So I've been meaning to go, but I've been out of town and I obviously can only go on Saturdays. (laughs) So I, today after yoga and after eating breakfast, I went finally to Gigi's boutique. I walked in, I walked right up to the lady that was working there and I was like, I need a bra. I have no idea what size I am and I really need your help. So she like got me measured, had me in two perfect bras within like two minutes. So I'm thrilled. I got new bras. She's like, oh my God, you actually have a waist. Like your boobs aren't on your stomach anymore. (laughs) And I was like, whatever. I mean, I don't really care if my boobs like hang a little low. 
I actually have pretty naturally perky boobs compared considering how big they are, but it's just, <laughs> I just am thrilled that I got these bras. They were, of course, very expensive. I also tried on a sports bra that I decided not to buy, but then I looked it up on Amazon. It was $15 cheaper on Amazon than it was in the store, so I bought that on Amazon. Anyway, it's, I've been talking for 11 minutes and so not about Teen Mom at all. I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you didn't, well, here we are. Hope you haven't turned off the podcast yet. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. By the way, my Wi-Fi is down. They're doing it's really windy, so it's possible something's going on with the wind. But they're also doing like gardening stuff outside. Gardening's not like landscaping. And I'm terrified that they've hit a you know what's it called? If they've hit like the line, that would be ugh, terrible. I had to hook my, like, phone up as the hotspot to get my notes downloaded off of my email for this episode. So, yeah, that's a mess. And let's just all hope that my Wi-Fi goes back up soon. So, anyway, let's talk about this episode. How was this episode? I watched this episode yesterday. I feel like I've already completely forgotten what I watched. Leah, of course, is still interesting to me. Janelle's segment was, I guess, interesting. Um, there's been a lot of question about how if Janelle got paid for this episode. The Ashley says that if they appear via phone, so on speakerphone or FaceTime, they get paid. If they don't appear at all but send a text, then they don't get paid. So Janelle was paid for this episode. Also, like, she did the voiceovers. I just, guys, I don't know how, as I've said every week that I've done this podcast this season, like, I just, I don't know how they keep Janelle on the show if they can't film with her anywhere in North Carolina. <laughs> can't film with her in the entire state um and they can't film with her like out of state because then her and Barb get drunk and say they're gonna kill Kale which by the way like (sighs) Kale come on come on although I guess it's easier I guess if I was in Kale's position I would be annoyed too and I would be pissed at MTV but the thing is okay it's hard for me to have any sympathy for Kale in this situation when she's, like, basically her position, right, is that, like, she doesn't understand why Barb and Janelle are allowed to get away with, like, all of this shit and have no consequences. But, like, really the same could be said for Kale. Because Kale, before last reunion where she fought Brianna, she had said all over the internet, she had said on her podcast, the one that Chelsea was on, that she wanted to fight Bray. So, and then she tried to fight her when they pulled them in the security thing, and then they had the actual fight when Brie ran up on her on stage. So, like, it's kind of hard for me to have any sympathy for Kale, who's like, well, they're allowed to do whatever they want, and, like, MTV doesn't have consequences for them, because it's like, yeah, but the same could be said for you, Kale. Like, you're also a problem child for filming. So, it'd be one thing if, like... Chelsea, and you guys know I hate to use Chelsea as, like, an example. If Chelsea was, like, I don't really understand why there aren't any consequences for their behavior, like, I would understand her saying that because Chelsea doesn't cause issues for, the like, the cast and crew as far as we know. Yeah, she doesn't film everything, but as far as we know, like, when the crew says they're showing up, like, she lets them in her house or she agrees to film with them. She gives them what they want. She's ready, willing, and able. She doesn't start fights with other cast members. She minds her business and is, like, a good worker. And at least, like, 
that's the impression that I have. I think that's probably the general public's impression as well. So it's kind of hard for me to feel like Kale has a big reason to protest the treatment of Janelle as compared to the treatment of her. So I don't know. Kale, Barbara saying she's going to kill Kale is funny to me. Like, I laughed at that. (laughs) I saw some funny comments on Reddit that were like, (laughs) they were like, I have never wished harm on someone. And I'm like, I literally sent my group text, like, I'm going to murder this person, text like two times a day. Like, I constantly wish harm on people. Now, I never actively, like, have, like, do harm on people, but I joke about killing people all of the time. All of the time. Don't you guys? I don't know. I guess maybe some people don't, but I'm constantly talking about hurting people. It's just a way to blow off steam. Nobody thinks Barbara is going to really do anything. And that's what really gets me. If David started tweeting that he was going to kill Kale, like, and I was Kale, I would flip out. But like Barbara saying it, come on. Come on. It was clear Barbara's hammered and she was joking around. Also, I do like that the internet is starting to turn on Barbara because I told you guys that would happen, that as soon as we got more more Barbara screen time, that people would not like her. And I'm really seeing a lot of Twitter, Reddit, and, well, not really Facebook because I don't really go on Teen Mom Facebook, but I'm definitely seeing some more Twitter and Reddit hate from her for her. And it's people like, I can't believe Barbara did this. I've turned on Barbara. And I'm just like, yeah, this is what happens whenever anybody gets more screen time, you start to dislike them. That's just, it's just the rules of reality TV. So anyway, I guess I'll talk about Chelsea first because there's nothing to talk about with Chelsea. Like nothing. So Chelsea went on a vacation with a vlogger. I, we saw this happening in real time. Chelsea, I guess, has a lot of internet friends, which, like, I can't knock. I'm an, I'm an internet friend girl, too, as you guys all know. But the vacation looked fine. It was cute. They went tubing. They stayed in, like, a really nice log cabin. The girls, or the kids were all fine. Um, did I write down the name of the vlogger? I'm not even sure I wrote down her name. Her voice was unbearable to me. It was... It was not good. Chelsea loves vloggers, by the way. Did you guys know this? Chelsea loves to watch vlogs. She's a real YouTube head. Just like I am. Chelsea's actually an internet girl, which they don't talk about much, but apparently she, like, loves Reddit. Probably not Teen Mom Reddit, (laughs) but just Reddit in general. She loves Pinterest, which is a surprise to nobody. She watches a lot of vlogs. She's, like, friends with vloggers. Oh, I did want to talk about that diaper bag line since I didn't talk about it last week. Okay, first of all, I looked up Itsy Ritzy, and their bags are not, they don't seem very special to me. They're not real leather. They are $180 for a diaper bag, which, like, whatever. I don't really, I buy $180 bags. Like, it's not, for me, it's not the price point. It's what you're getting for the price point doesn't seem worth it to me. Um, Like, I have no problem, like I just said, I have no problem spending $180 on a bag or more, but I would need it to be, like, real leather, nice, have it be nice. Like, the bags on Itsy Ritzy just, like, don't look that nice. And I looked around on Amazon for comparable bags, and there's a brand that I can't remember the name of now that is, like, 90 that looks exactly the same as the Itsy Ritzy bags on the inside. And I don't understand how a 
fake leather canvas on the inside bag could be that different in construction-wise between, like, a $90 bag and a $180 bag. They just don't seem worth it to me. The ones that Chelsea designed are cute, I get. Like, they're not ugly. The camo one, I don't really like camo. I know camo's back, but, like, I've just never been a camo girl. Fashion camo, non-fashion camo, I've just never liked camo. I, well, I guess camo's already probably already going out. It was back, what, last winter? This winter a little bit, but it's already going back out, I'm sure. But I've just never been a a camo person, really. I'm just not that into camo. Don't care about camo. But the black one that Chelsea designed, aka put her name on, is fine. It's cute. I just feel like if you want a nice diaper bag, you can spend 100 and get a very similar one from Amazon or wherever, Nordstrom or whatever, and I just don't understand why you would get a bag that costs $100 more if it's essentially the same thing. I also don't really understand, like, market-wise, who a Chelsea-designed bag is for that costs $180. And I looked through her Instagram comments, and I would say 95% of them were like, I can't afford that, with about 5% being like, I ordered one. So I think I'm correct. I have a feeling that the majority of Chelsea followers are lower, no, not lower, but like just like middle class, like middle class suburban girls who are in their mid-20s probably because they started watching 16 and Pregnant when they were in their late teens, basically mid-20s to 30, early 30s, like my age, and middle class and they can't afford a $200 diaper bag. And that's really, like, what almost all of the comments on the diaper bag have been. That, like, girl, I can't afford that. I love you, and I was going to buy it, but I can't afford that. So I just, I guess I don't really understand. It seems very obvious to me, like, what her fan base is. And I think the people that are really rich and can afford that, not that you have to be really rich to spend $200 on a bag, but I think people that, like, willingly buy luxury diaper bags like most likely are not like super Chelsea fans like maybe they watch a show but they're like not super Chelsea heads I know that like I'm trying I mean I don't really like celebrities like that but (laughs) I was gonna say I'm trying to think like I don't think there's any celebrity that I like enough that their name being on it would make me spend out of my price range and I don't think Chelsea has has fan like I don't think Chelsea has that pool. I think it would have made way more sense for Chelsea to put her name on a diaper bag that cost forty to sixty dollars. I think that she could actually like if she wasn't so lazy. <laughs> and I understand she didn't do this for like which fans can I please the most? Like what reach can I have the biggest reach on? She uses Itsy Ritzy because she's rich and can afford to. And they tagged them in some stuff, and Itsy Ritzy, Itsy Ritzy reached out to her and was like, why don't we do a line with you and Cole? And she was like, okay, great. So they did a line with her and Cole. But, like, I think Chelsea actually could have a very successful diaper bag and, like, baby accessory line. Like, I think that she – I've been saying this forever, that Chelsea has – such a platform that she is not utilizing. She barely monetizes her social media. And I mean, like, I understand. I actually think 
for Chelsea, it's smart not to do those clickbait ads. It's smart not to do um, a lot of, like, the low-brow Instagram ads. I Like, I do get that, and I think that makes sense for her because she doesn't want to turn off her followers, and I think her low monetization of her Instagram has a positive effect on her brand. But I do think she's just, like, sitting on this platform that she's totally underutilizing like, really underutilizing, I, she is sitting, she has pretty high engagement, like, she's sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that she's not doing, that she's not making by not using her platform, and I think that she could, if she teamed up with somebody that was, like, in Kohl's and released, like, I mean, because as I've said, like, she is a Lauren Conrad, she has a Lauren Conrad brand, it, but she's too lazy to do anything with it. And if she teamed up with somebody and, like, really made a line of, like, six diaper bags and then in the second launch maybe did baby clothes, baby toys, like, changing tables. Like, I think that she, she has, like, a great reach for that. And if she did it in the affordable to a little nicer range, so, like, 40 to $70 range for stuff. Like, I think she could be very, very successful, but I obviously, like, don't think that that's what Chelsea wants to do. I think she's too lazy to do that, and not just lazy, is that she doesn't care to do that, which I understand on a deep level because I'm not an ambitious person. <laughs> it's something that I really... Like, Chelsea and I are not that different in, like, our laziness and our lack of ambition. I think we're actually pretty similar, so I do get it, but as, like, an outsider, it is frustrating to watch because I think that she has actually, like, she is one of the only moms on this show that could release, like, baby and kid stuff and have people, like, fucking go crazy over it. Because the fact is, Chelsea does have a lot of fans. I've seen so many people call for Chelsea's own show, which I don't, you guys know I don't think would be good. I would not watch it, but I... Like, I wonder if she would do it. I wonder if it would be successful. Because people just love Chelsea. They love her happy ending. They love that she used to be chubby and now she's thin. They love her kids. They love that she's pretty. They find her very relatable. So, yeah. I find it very frustrating that, like, we're supposed to be applauding this, like, diaper bag thing that she did. And it's like, Chelsea has so many opportunities and she's done nothing with it. Um... The only other thing that happened in Chelsea's segment this week is that she got robbed, which I have a lot of empathy for. Getting robbed is very scary. I really feel for her. I, my car got robbed once, um, but I would never want to be robbed, obviously. I know it'd be very scary, but I, why are we, like, talking about Chelsea's, like, apparently crippling mental health issues? I feel like there's a lot going on with Chelsea that we just kind of ignore and she doesn't put on the show. Um, they've talked about in the past that Chelsea has like social anxiety. Like if you mention that Chelsea doesn't go out, you'll get like a hundred comments about how she has like social anxiety and doesn't like to leave her house. And I'm like, I think that's called agoraphobia and it's like a very serious mental health issue. And if that's what's going on, like she should be seeing a therapist and a psychiatrist. Um, Chelsea wants to move after they get robbed, which I think is like a natural, it is a natural feeling that you want to move. But what I found troubling was 
Cole was basically like, we'll do whatever you want to do, which I, to me, was like a little bit of a pushover. They literally just bought that house and moved into it. If I was Cole, I'd be like, I understand that you want to move, but that's not realistic. Like, we need to stay here and work this out. And if you can't get over it, then we'll reassess. But Cole's like, whatever you want to do, dear, it'll be hard. But dearie, if you want to move, that's what we'll do. Um, I don't, I don't think that's the best course of action. But Chelsea said something which really like, ping, 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 kinged my, you have like a unmanageable case of anxiety that needs to be treated by a doctor and not just sitting around your house, which is, she said, I'm scared that everybody's going to move on from this and I'll never get over it. I understand like getting robbed is very scary. It can be extremely traumatic for people. I would imagine someone like Chelsea who has lived in a very safe suburb slash rural area her whole life, hasn't been exposed to any sort of crime, I would guess, ever in her life. Um, So I can understand why it's so scary, but her immediate thoughts that she'll never be able to get over it to me speak like an anxiety issue that's beyond... I don't want to say normal because what what's normal, but an anxiety issue that's beyond manageability. Um, I think that that is like the really important way to look at anxiety and depression and mental health issues. And that's how I try and look at it in my life is when things are going bad. Um, for me, the hard thing is when I'm having anxiety, I lose perspective. My issues is like I lose perspective and I'm never able to like grasp how how do I want to say this so if I'm feeling anxious and I'm having a particularly bad day if you ask me how long I've been feeling anxious I will tell you with a straight face and be able to pass lie detector test that I've been feeling like this for years and I I always feel like this all of the time and that is a factually incorrect statement I would say most of my time I don't have anxiety but I get in these little moments where I feel like this is how I feel this is how I always feel but because I've been in, <laughs> I've been in and out of therapy for so long and I've been to psychiatrists for so long, for me, when I start to feel that way, I'm like, ding, 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 like, I need to call the doctor. <laughs> and I recently had, like, a really bad moment of that and now I am in a, like, group therapy situation and that's really helping me, um, kind of realize that my anxiety hasn't been as bad as I thought it was. What I'm basically trying to say is that I think Chelsea is in a place where if her and like thoughts are, I will never be able to get over this, that to me signifies a level of anxiety slash depression that needs to be seen by a doctor because that is an unmanageability factor. And I think looking at is this anxiety or depression manageable in my life is a very important threshold because it can be really hard and I deeply struggle with this. And I understand why Chelsea's struggling with this. It can be really hard to tell, like, do I need to see a doctor? Do I need to go on meds? Do I not need to go on meds? Do I not need to see a doctor? Should I be in therapy? Do I not need to be in therapy? And I think, like, the best way to look at it is, like, how manageable is this? And for me, most of the time, mine feels pretty manageable. I can go to school. School, I don't go to school. I can go to my job. I can go to my meetings. I can see my friends. I can go to yoga. I can, you know what I mean? I can follow through with all of my commitments. At night, I can go to sleep. Yes, I feel anxiety during the day, but I don't feel overwhelmed by it. But for Chelsea, if she's at a point where 
She can't be at home alone during the day at all. She's going, at this point, she's going to her mom's every day and isn't sure, like, doesn't have any sort of end date uh, because she's too scared to be at home when Cole isn't there with the kids. Um, If she feels like she's never going to be able to get over her fear of being in the house and that they'll have to move, to me, that's unmanageability. And I think that it's a a semi-natural response to a traumatic incident that happened to her, but I don't think Chelsea's doing anything unless she's just not talking about it on the show. She's not doing anything to deal with it. Like Mandy or whoever her producer is was talking to her about her going to her mom's every day. And she wasn't like, so are you going to go to therapy maybe to deal with this? Because this isn't really a react, like a manageable reaction to the scary thing to happen is not to not be able to be home in your, like every day when your husband leaves to work, like you pack up both your kids and you go to your mom's house and you don't come back until he comes back. I understand that desire, but that's not like, that's not a very manageable situation and it's not a good long-term situation. And I was wondering why Mandy wasn't kind of pointing that out. Like, hey, maybe you should go see the therapist because like, this seems like some really overwhelming anxiety for you and this can't be like a comfortable or like a good thing to experience. But instead it's just like, oh, I totally get it. And it's like, I we do get it. I do get it at least, but I just... I don't know, man. I think that Chelsea has some serious anxiety issues that really get swept under the rug and that we just don't deal with them. I guess the other thing to comment on is the police asked her how things were with Adam. (laughs) I'm assuming they say, like, your ex. Do you have any exes or your baby's fathers? I had a similar thing happen. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but right when I moved to Florida, well, not, I would guess I'd been in Florida for, like, five or six months, right when my dad had my dad drove my car down when I'd been there for a couple months. And then like October of 2014, my dad drove my car down. And right after that happened, I had been sleeping. I fell asleep. It was like 1145 at night. And I was living in the halfway house. And one of my roommates came in and was like, someone just threw a brick through your car. And I remember being like, what? And like, I didn't, because I was woke up in the middle of the night and I like didn't understand what she was saying to me. She's like, we already called the police. They're on the way. But, like, you need to come see what happened. And I was like, I, like, couldn't even process what had happened. But somebody, I got outside and I saw somebody had picked up a, like, a cinder block and threw it through my back windshield. I lived on, like, kind of a busy road. Had threw it through my back windshield. And it threw it at such a perfect angle and with such force. It traveled through my front seats, like, through the, you know, the the middle area of my front seats and it landed on my front dash, but all the way in the front of my car. So it smashed the entire front windshield too. So the entire back windshield was destroyed. Like there was no more back windshield. Like the entire thing had cracked and shattered and the front just had like huge spider cracks, like all over the entire thing, but it was still like mostly in one piece. It was crazy. And the police came And they were so rude to me about it. And they were like, they were so convinced that an ex-boyfriend must have done it. Even though I had lived in Florida for like such a short period of time. Like I didn't even talk to men at all at that point. And my roommates had, I guess, seen, this was an area in Florida that had a large homeless and drug addicted population. And they had seen someone that they described like as crazy, like 
do it. And they ran after him and they were like, I'm sorry we didn't catch him. And I was like, what were you going to do? Like, I'm glad you didn't catch him. Um, But the police could not believe me, did not believe me that this had been a random event. They were like, yeah, but are you sure you don't have an ex-boyfriend here that would do that? And I was like, I don't know anybody in Florida. Like, they were so rude to me about it and they really thought I was lying to them. Which I guess I understand because it was so weird and random that this happened. And it really did look like, like, it was almost like somebody slashed my tires. Like, that level of destruction to your car. And I was like, I no, like, it was, it must have been a random crazy person. Like, I'm telling you, like, nobody hates me like this. So I do know that that's, like, a go-to for police. If something happens to you that they want to know, like, who your ex-boyfriends are. But it was just a random person that robbed Chelsea's house. It was obviously not anybody that was aware that she was on Teen Mom, I'm guessing, because they, like, left her laptop. Um, You would, if, if you knew that this was a celebrity and you were a thief, you would probably take personal things like that, but he just ransacked the house. Um, Like I said, I feel for Chelsea. It's very, very scary, but I do think that there's, and she's now has commented more about it online and said she had bad postpartum anxiety. And I do think that Chelsea, it would be cool if she'd be more open to it and talked about it on the show and like made more of an effort to get better. So yeah, that's it for Chelsea. Let's take a quick break. I have to say, I really like Brianna's new boyfriend. I like John. I think he seems like a good guy. I wrote down that he has really good manners. So John is coming to visit Javi in Florida. Javi, wow. (laughs) I just looked at my notes and I saw the word Javi. John is coming to visit Bree in Florida. And he's basically coming to meet Roxanne and Brittany and also the girls. But Brie is very clear and very adamant that he's coming to meet the girls as a friend and just a friend. She says that they've never met a boyfriend before, so I'm a little curious to know. Well, that's not true because Nova met uh, Lewis, and remember, she was going to move in with Lewis, and there was a whole scene where they asked Nova if Nova wanted to move in with Mommy and Lewis or if she wanted to move in with or she wanted to stay with Roxanne, and I guess maybe she doesn't count that. <laughs> I'm also curious about how she was with Javi in front of the girls. I know we kind of saw it in the episode last season when she went to visit him in the matching shirts episode, but I can't remember if she was like if she did kiss him in front of the girls. I just I just can't remember. So let me know if we saw that on TV or not. You can let me know on Instagram, EBP underscore feathers. I have a great little Instagram. I hope everyone appreciated the piece of matzah with Janelle's face on it that I posted last week. Uh, Jesse made that for me, who's often on this podcast. I just thought it was like the funniest thing ever. Ugh, it was so good. So, yeah, I'm when she says like her daughters have never seen her be intimate with someone, I'm a little unsure exactly what that means, but I do think in general that Brie has good decision-making skills when it comes to who is around her children and what they think of the person. I I do think that. Like, I think that she has bad decision-making skills for some things, but when it comes to that, she has been pretty smart this whole time. So, she's a little nervous, and John is going to, like, stay in a hotel, 
I thought that was good. I'm sure she'll stay with him in the hotel. Um, she talks to her mom and she's like, I just don't want you to be dramatic and ask a thousand questions. And Roxanne's like, we're not dramatic. We're just emotional. <laughs> she says she doesn't want Brittany to be insane. And Brittany says she's the sanest person in that family, which I think I agree with. <laughs> um, Roxanne says that she just wants to know like where Brie is going with this. And Brie's like, well, why do you want to know? And Roxanne, which I completely agree with, is like, why wouldn't I want to know? <laughs> I really, I thought Roxanne was actually like really good, normal in this episode. But the reality is, and I know people feel like Roxanne is too much in Brianna's business. And in a way she is. They, they are codependent. There are some unhealthy like family dynamics. I'm not saying like that this family is perfect. But in general, I do agree that like, you know, Rox really helps raising Bree's children. And she does have a, I guess right isn't the correct word, but I do understand like why she wants to know what Bree is planning for her future when it comes to anything, but especially men that are going to come into their life and their family. And I think it's very true in their case that like, once you date Bree, you're dating her whole family. Like, for some people, like for me, that's absolutely not true. That's not how my family rolls. We're all very much like mind your fucking business when it comes to anything. We all mind our business heavy in our in my family. Like if you date me, you're a hundred percent not in any way dating my family. Like we could date for three years and you've met my family two times. Like that's just it's just kind of how we roll. We're not a super tight family. That's that's not true. It's just our family, di- my family dynamics. We're not a family that gets together every week for Sunday dinner. And, you know, that's just like not how we are. But in some families, if you date them, you date everybody. And I think that's extremely true for Breeze. And I understand why Roxanne wants to know, like, what Bree is planning on doing with this guy. Bree, or Roxanne seems frustrated that Bree doesn't seem to know what she wants. And I agree. It's like, you're getting a little older, you have two children, you're dating this guy long distance, like, time for some plans. Bree says that she just doesn't want Roxanne to ask him if he's planning on moving, if she's planning on moving, she doesn't want him to ask, she doesn't want her to ask questions about their future, which I guess is fair, you can ask Bree, but like, you don't need to ask John that. Roxanne does says, (laughs) she'll only get crazy if he's like Javi desperate <laughs> uh, you know that pissed Tavi off but was Roxanne wrong was she wrong because I don't think she was wrong I think that was actually quite accurate so she picks up John from the airport and she's nervous about Nova because Nova's quite shy as we've seen on the show but it seems to go well John is really nice with her Nova give gives him a nice smile. They shake hands, which I thought was very cute. Um, John did a good job with getting them gifts. He brought Nova a, like, a little beanie hat. He got Stella some toys. I am very much a big proponent and, like, always bring children gifts. Now, I know not everybody is. Is that bribing them to like me? Of course. Does it work? You bet it does. You bet it does. The cutest thing was, so... Out of my best friend's girls, I talked about at the beginning, the youngest one is turning three. Her birthday is actually, like, right before mine. So, turning three in, like, a month. 
And she likes me the least because she doesn't understand presents. The older two are six and five, and they understand that Aunt Liz brings presents, and they love the presents. And last time I was there, I gave, I was like, here's Zoe, like, and I gave her some Paw Patrol stuff, and she goes, my birthday? It's my birthday? And I was like, no, just when Aunt Liz comes, she brings you things, and she goes, Aunt Liz brings presents? And now she likes me a lot better because she understands that Aunt Liz brings gifts. <laughs> She's starting to be old enough to understand that, like, Aunt Liz means gifts come. And that's why the older girls just left me. As soon as I get there, they scream, what did you bring? And I gladly bring them the things, give them the things that I brought. So, yeah, I thought that was a good move by John. It's a good way to, like, familiarize a kid with you and to get a kid... Wow, am I talking about grooming children? Is this, like, what I'm saying? I'm, I just, like, focused on what I was actually saying, and it sounds really creepy. But I just think it's nice, like, when I was a babysitter and I would meet families for the first time, I would usually bring the kid, like, a coloring book. It's just a good way to make kids comfortable with you. Just please don't use my advice to groom children. Oh, God. Liz, what am I saying? <laughs> anyway, I thought John was really good with the girls. Um... There was a little scene where she walks in, they walk in and Stella doesn't have any clothes on and Brie made an, a point to put the clothes on Stella, which I thought, you know, made sense. Um, I did notice that John mumbles a lot, which is annoying for reality TV. He's kind of hard to understand. We find out, they all go to dinner with Roxanne and the whole family and Roxanne is like, ask him where his family's from. He says they're Dominican and she's like, oh, you guys like to party? Your family likes to party? I did notice that when Roxanne came in, John and Brie were already sitting down and he like stood up, he hugged Roxanne, he gave her a kiss. Um, I, I just noticed that he seems very polite and has good manners. He speaks, although he's a mumbler, he speaks directly to Roxanne. He doesn't, he doesn't beat around the bush. He gives her clear responses to the things that she's saying. I, I just kept writing down like he just seems very polite. Uh, he's 27 years old. She asks if he has kids and he says, no, not yet at least. And she asks why. And Bree's like, ah. <laughs> and John, I actually, I kind of liked this answer. I thought he said it maybe a little crudely. He could have said it less crude, but I understood what he was saying. John said that he's been extremely careful not to have children Yet, uh, that family is very important for him, and he doesn't want a situation where he has, like, a baby mom and child support. He said, here's the part where I was like, even if maybe he's what he's saying is true, when he said it's a man's biggest fear to have child support. <laughs> Which, like, but, 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 you know, I respect that if that's his biggest fear is that he does not have baby moms. And he's been careful to not have children. And if you really are, like, fearful of child support, then good for you for not having kids. Um, I, I don't know. I respect that he said, like, I've been very careful not to have children because it sounded like to me that he wasn't interested in not having kids outside of a, like, committed relationship or marriage. And I think that's a good quality in a person. I don't think that's a bad value to have that you really care about family and if you I don't think it's bad to want to have family when you're like to have kids after you're married now of course you don't have to have kids to be married I just think when I say that I mean like to be in a committed partnership with a person of course life does not always work out that way we make mistakes shit happens we make plans God laughs at them 
trust me, this is, I was about to say this is a judgment-free podcast, which would be probably the stupidest thing I could ever say, because literally this podcast is me getting on this microphone and judging people for an hour and a half every week. But in general, I mean, like, I don't, I don't say that from a place of judgment, but I also think that it, it's, it, it benefits children to be born into a committed partnership. Now, does that always work? No, of course not. But I thought that, I, I don't know, I just appreciated what John said. I think the fact that he said, like, that he wasn't just like, well, it never happened. Like, I don't know, I just don't have any kids. Like, that he said, like, I have made an effort to not have children. It's important for me to have children in a family. I think that's a good value in a man. And I would be happy if a man said that to me. Um... There's a funny moment where John gets up and he almost falls and Roxanne says the floor is wet. Don't fall. The cameras will catch it. <laughs> and Roxanne likes him. She gives him her seal of approval. I thought that she, Roxanne was on her best behavior and was really good at talking to him but not being crazy. And I think that Roxanne has learned some lessons and she seems to be chilling out and I'm proud of her. So yeah, I hope John sticks around. I think John could be a good long-term boyfriend or husband for Brie. I would love to see Brie find somebody to marry and really settle down with and be in a long-term partnership. But I do think that Brie has some immaturity and she's so young. I think it's easy to forget, especially, you know, if Kale is like 27, I think Brie's 24, 20. I think Brie's 24. She's like significantly younger than the rest of the cast. And I'm like, wow, I hope she finds someone to marry. But then I remember she's like 24 or 25. So she still is pretty young. I was going to look it up online, but I just remember that my internet doesn't work. And I, <laughs> it would take too long to do it on my phone when I could just do it on my computer. So yeah, that's it for Brie this week. I, look, I'm here for like Roxanne meeting Brie's boyfriends. I'm always going to be into that storyline. <laughs> Let's go on to Janelle. Just quickly before I segue into Janelle, I want to let everyone know that Teen Moms, Young Moms Club is not canon, will not be discussed on this podcast, will never be watching. I only expect it to go on for a couple more episodes anyway. It is Pretty Little Mamas rebranded and I don't care for it. Nope, not at all. I don't know why they brought it back under this name. I don't, I don't get it. I'm not sure what MTV thinks the Team Mom brand is so strong. Like, I, I just don't understand. If it didn't work as Pretty Little Mamas, I don't understand why they thought it would work under this new name with the Teen Mom brand. Also, like, give me fucking Teen Mom New Jersey. What the fuck? They filmed a whole fucking season. They gave us that teaser promo, and then they shelved it. But we're getting, like, two irritor... irritor I can't. I can't today. I can't speak today. But we're getting Team Mom or Pretty Little Mamas rebranded as a Team Mom show. It's bullshit. I'm just, I don't care about it. I have no comment on it. That's it. So Janelle obviously had a very short segment today because she didn't film at all. She FaceTimes with Kristen. Um, she does let us know over voice, voice message, over the voiceover that people are still upset about Barbara and that Amber, like, started going off on Janelle and David. We talked about this on the podcast back when it happened. I'm assuming, I definitely posted about it on my Instagram, that Amber rant was, like, 
the most unhinged I'd ever seen her. I thought Amber was going to come through the screen and murder me. As I said before, Amber's lives make me, like, really scared. I'm constantly worried that she's going to end her life over Instagram Live. Like, she gets on these Instagram Lives and just is so unhinged. During this one, the one they showed on TV, uh, when I was watching it, I literally was expecting her head to fully detach from her body and just float off into space. Like, that's that's how wound up she was. So, Janelle FaceTimes Kristen and says that she is mad at Amber and she doesn't understand why Amber's involved. They're not on the same show. They barely talk. Apparently, the last time they all hung out was when everybody was in New York for filming a special and then they all... <laughs> They all went out to dinner in Times Square together, but she's, like, never been close with Amber, and she doesn't understand why, like, Amber wouldn't privately reach out, which, I mean, I guess, I feel like I would feel frustrated about that, too, but at the same time, it's like, Janelle, have you ever privately reached out to anybody before tweeting about it? Probably not. Also, I think Amber was just tweeting accurate things about David being homophobic. Like, that, that's it. Um, so we see Amber's, a bit of Amber's live where she calls him loser and homophobic. And then we see Janelle's response to Amber's live, which was a live. <laughs> Basically, we're just watching Janelle's social media at this point. It was filmed in her she shed. Janelle loves it in her she shed. She probably goes in there, locks the door, smokes pot, listens to her music. Doesn't have to deal with her fucking kids. It's probably where she spends most of her time. So, Janelle points out that Amber is the one who's gone to prison for domestic violence and not David, which, fair enough. That's not an inaccurate statement. (laughs) She's not wrong, although in Amber's live, she did talk about how she put herself in prison, which I'm sure I've commented on on this podcast and how it's such bullshit when Amber goes on about how she put herself in prison like it was the bravest thing she's ever done. Not that she just knew she wouldn't be able to complete drug court and would have to do a longer sentence if she failed drug court. Amber's whole narrative about, like, that she valiantly chose to go to prison for the sake of her daughter is such bullshit. And it really, it really grinds my gears, if you will. So, the final scene of the episode, we randomly get a scene of Ashley and Nate talking about Janelle. Now, I think Ashley was trying her hardest to be diplomatic and, like, supportive of Janelle, basically. But it just, first of all, it rang very untrue to me. I know that, I mean, I don't know, but I assume that Ashley really hates Janelle. I don't think Janelle is somebody that Ashley likes or has any faith in, which why would she or should she? But this whole thing where Nate and Ashley are just concerned for Janelle just rings so hollow to me. You know, Nate physically abused Janelle in the past. So watching somebody who was physically abusive, like, sit and talk about, like, their concern for the person that they were abusive towards, to me is, like, really gross. I don't like it. I don't like it as a storyline. Um, Nate goes, do you think Janelle is stable enough to be raising kids right now? And Ashley says that if she was single, she'd be able to raise the kids. And it's like, Ashley, have you watched an episode of this fucking show? 
Janelle's instability, like, is not a result of David. It's a result of her being an unstable insta- person. Leaving David isn't going to make her a good mother. In fact, like, if she leaves David, I might even think David should have custody of those kids. Janelle has no ability to parent. She is not a full-time parent. David does all of the child rearing for her, just like when she was with Nate. He did all of the raising of Kaiser, like Barbara raises Jace. There's no way that Janelle, like, magically will be a good mom once she leaves David. But I know she's saying that because she wants to, like, support Nate and be on Nate's side without coming off, like, without coming off as being hateful towards Janelle on TV. So, Nate does say that there seems to be a trend where she's constantly having to go to battle for David, which is absolutely true. Janelle spends, like, all of her time, it seems like, defending David. I think that that's a very accurate statement. And he says, but what does David do for her? Now, in a way, I think that Nate is right. I think that David, as far as image and professional life goes, like David doesn't do anything for Janelle. In fact, he really, really hurts and harms Janelle. She's been cut out of at least one episode of this season, which means she wasn't paid for that. David is doing obviously his damnedest to get Janelle fired from this show. He wants her to be like a public pariah for whatever reason. I I don't know. I don't pretend to understand the motives of David Eason. But I will say And I think that in her personal life, how do I want to raise this? How do I want to phrase this? I think that as far as Janelle's happiness and fulfillment goes, David does a lot for her. And I know that sounds crazy, but I've definitely talked about this before where, like, as far as Janelle's understanding of love is, like, David is it. She is a person that's incredibly toxic. She's incredibly abusive. She's never had any sort of stable relationship where she wasn't being abused or wasn't being an abuser. That wasn't extremely toxic. That's the only relationship she had modeled by her parents. She was abused by her parents, et cetera, et cetera. So when Nate says, like, well, what does David do for her? Like, I understand what Janelle thinks that David does for her. I don't know why Nate doesn't understand that because you would think that Nate would know Janelle better than I do but apparently here we sit where Liz Bentley knows Janelle better than Nate and like I don't know it's very obvious to me why Janelle is with David like he gives her constant complete attention constant attention they're together all the time he doesn't cheat on her which is the first of all of her boyfriends he always wants to be around her he raises the kids for her and I cannot overstate enough how important this is for Janelle. She's able to have Kaiser and Ensley there and Marissa and Jace on the weekends because of David. If it was not for David, she would not be able to handle those kids. She doesn't have to do the parenting. She sits in the she shed all day and the kids mostly do whatever they want with supervision from David. Like, we see it on the show. You see it on the social media. Like, David is the kid's full-time caregiver. It's just the reality of the situation. So Janelle can get on Instagram and, like, take these pictures of, like, look at my kids. And she can brag about how she has custody of most of her kids. And that's because of David. So for her, that's, like, 
very fulfilling and very helpful. So when Nate says, what does David do for her? I can think of a million things that David does for her. Just to me and to everybody else, it seems obvious that that good does not outweigh the bad of David being controlling an abuser and somebody that's like publicly torpedoing what little reputation she ever had and torpedoing like her extremely successful job, which I know a lot of you don't want to hear that Chanel is extremely successful professionally, but she is. She's on season whatever, 10 of a reality show of which she is the star and is able to make a lot of money on social media. So like it or not, like Janelle has an extremely successful professional career that, you know, is now being torpedoed by her husband. And of course, the abuse and the toxicity that is their relationship. I think anybody would agree that that does not outweigh or that yeah, that doesn't outweigh the good stuff that he does. But to Janelle, she feels like it does. And I think that Janelle feels very loved by David. And I don't think Janelle minds the abuse that much. I think when when they're not fighting, like, really bitterly, she's fine. Um, and I would say that's probably true for a lot of abusive relationships. But I think that Janelle has probably accepted that this is what relationships are. And unfortunately... When it comes to her, I don't think she's wrong because I think unless Chanel does some very, very serious mental health work and goes to like a long-term treatment facility and gets serious about managing her drug addictions and mental health issues, that is what all of her relationships will look like. And I'm not sure she could be in a relationship that's any better than the one that she's in with David. And I mean, you could look at her and Nate and argue that that was a better relationship because at least Nate wasn't trying to torpedo her job. But where when you're Janelle, she Nate cheated on her all the time, and Nate didn't want to be around her. And Nate, like, basically hated Janelle the entire time they were together, and she would much rather have someone like David who wants to be, like, this family with her than somebody like Nate who wants to be away from her as much as possible. So when Nate says, like, well, what is... Janelle get from him, I'm like kind of surprised that he doesn't see it, even though he makes a very good point that Janelle has to spend so much of her time fighting on behalf of David. And it's absolutely true. David is, David should just die. That would make Janelle's life a lot better, I think. Um, Nate randomly says that the profanity is really bad. <laughs> and Ashley thinks that Janelle is overwhelmed by the situation and would be fine alone. And I want to be like, girl, Janelle's overwhelmed by life and life will not stop if David leaves. Um, oh, I guess I might have told this out of order, but they played Amber's head exploding live last. I guess Amber did two lives. I don't know. Amber did that one. It was like 1 p.m. and she was like in her pajamas, which like respect, you know, who am I to hate? But it was a weekday because I remember us like thinking like I'm at my job and she's doing this at home. <laughs> okay, Kale, nothing happened in Kale's episode. I feel happy for her that she's like getting in touch with her sister, although I think she makes it pretty obvious that they're not as close as she would like them to be. But beyond that, like Kale's sister's baby shower is a true don't care for me. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, I did want to comment on the fact that Becky told her that it's very important that Joe and Kale and V stay close because they're modeling a relationship for Isaac and that she sees 
how bad of, like, not having relationship foundations has hurt Kale. And I was like, good, Becky, good. And then Becky also calls Kale out on not being good at keeping in touch when Kale was saying she wishes she and her sister kept in touch better. (laughs) The other scene I thought was weird was during the baby shower or after, Kale calls out Mikhail to talk to her. And I'm like, this is obviously production was like, you need to do this. You need to talk to your sister like one-on-one. I get that. MTV probably paid for this whole baby shower. So they get to call for them to have like a one-on-one conversation. But Kale is like, I just want to make sure you know how hard it will be when the baby gets here. And it was like a weird conversation to have at an event in that should be like joyous. Like, I don't, I just don't think the baby shower is like the place to talk about like, well, do you know how hard it is to have a baby? And Kale's like, do you know, I'm just not sure you're like, you understand how much of a strain this will be on your relationship. And Michaela was like, yeah, we, we know. And like, obviously she doesn't have a kid. She doesn't, she doesn't know. But I just thought it was like the tone Kale had was very serious and not like not nice basically. And not, not caring and not like, I just want you, the point of it was Kale was saying like, I want you to know I'll be here for you. But it came across as Kale like being very rude, basically. She was just like, well, you know, it's going to be hard. And like, you have your family to help you, right? And she's like, yeah, you know, my mom's going to be really helpful. She seems close to her boyfriend's sister. I think Michaela has a much better life than Kale in a lot of ways. And I think Kale acts like because she's my sister we should be very similar but I think Michaela had a very stable mom she has a little brother that she's close with she seems as far as we know has a boyfriend that she loves she seems close with her boyfriend's family and so for Kale to be like well do you know how hard this is going to be like you're going to be on your own seems like just weird and it wasn't the time or the place all she had to do is like oh well you know it's going to be tough but like I think you'll be able to handle it but if you need me I'll be there Like, that's all she had to say. Kale just is so condescending and really knows how to pull down the room. (laughs) But that was it. Not, Kale really didn't give us anything. We got a a little scene of Lauren and Javi and I was like, okay. Lauren apparently, okay, so there was a Reddit comment, a couple Reddit comments this week from like a new account that read very much like Lauren, just like really defending her and everybody on Reddit is convinced it was her. I think it probably is her, and I have to say, like, if I was a Lauren and I, like, got on this show, I probably would also make a Reddit account and fight with people, because that's just who I am. It'd be really not a good luck. It just wouldn't be a good luck. All right, let's wrap it up with Leah. So, Leah's finally figured out her birth control, thank God. (laughs) I can't believe that Leah didn't get pregnant with Jason. It's truly shocking to me. Um, she lets us know that things are getting serious with Jason, and I'm like, haven't things been serious with Jason? So, we find out that Addie told Leah that the girls were saying mean things about Jason. Um, and we get a scene of Grace, Allie, and Leah in the car without Addie, and it's the day before Grace's cheer competition, and Addie tells her that she doesn't want Jason to come to the cheerleading competition, and Leah just laughs it off. And Lee's like, he's going to be your, is he going to be your embarrassing stepdad one day? I'm like, can these girls get a breath? Like, Leah, it's so crazy. As I've said 
a million times on this podcast, Leah dates with her daughters. I think her daughters are very confused. I think that there's no boundaries. I think it's very, it's just all very, very inappropriate. Um, so we find out that Addie told Leah that Grace said she wanted to poison Jason. <laughs> And I guess she told Leah that Allie told her that she was going to pinch Jason. And Leah confronts the twins. They both deny it. They say that Addie's a liar. Addie lies a lot. I think I would believe that Addie does lie a lot because Leah gives Addie a lot of positive attention and praise for saying outrageous things. And there's no way that Addie, like, hasn't figured that out. So I would guess that Addie plays into that, which involves a lot of lying um, she is, but she's six. Like, that's the age in which they tell a lot of lies. My little niece, who's turning five next month, lies a lot. Um, but she, it's so funny. Not a lot, but like a normal amount of kid lies. All kids lie a lot. But she does this funny thing where she tells on herself and she'll like come and tell you like, I didn't do. And then like the thing that she's not supposed to do. <laughs> I didn't. I know mommy said I wasn't supposed to draw on the table, so I didn't draw on the table. <laughs> like, she'll just, like, come announce it. It's so funny. And you're like, but somebody drew on the table. And she'll be like, I didn't do it. <laughs> but yeah, kids lie a lot. And I think that kids that are given, like, a lot of positive praise for acting out, which Addie is. Like, sassy Addie. Addie's our spirit animal. Addie's just so funny. She's constantly praised for acting out, so I would imagine that she is constantly upping her, the things that she says for Leah's attention and reactions. And so, yeah, I would believe that she lies a lot, um, except the girls, it turns out, are the ones lying here, at least Grace is. So, apparently the issue is that Jason is pretty strict and Leah is not strict at all, which, surprise, surprise, that is extremely common in blooded families. I have a friend who in high school, well, I guess it was like middle school. Her dad got remarried. She had two brothers. So it was their th his three kids. And then he dated a woman who had three daughters, kind of like a Brady Bunch. But instead of three boys, it was two boys and one girl. But they dated for a little while. Everybody got along great. It was great. It was fun. And then they all moved in together after they got married. And it was really, really hard because the mom was, like, super lenient. And the dad was, like, very strict. And they actually participated in an interview with, I believe, the New York Times a year or two ago and shared their story, which was they began fighting all the time. They were having all of these problems. And they were in counseling one day and they kind of had this revelation that they weren't having marital problems, they were having parenting problems. So they really loved each other. They wanted to stay married. So he and they could afford to do this. They ended up buying, the kids were all pretty similar age, by the way. Like, I think the oldest, the kids ranged from like, at the time that I knew them, like 14 to 18, you know, so they were all like really the same age, they had six teenagers in one house. Um, and so what happened was the mom and her girls moved to a townhouse very close and the parents continued to be married except they were living apart and they were able to kind of like, he was able to parent his 
children the way that he wanted to and she was able to parent her children the way that she wanted to and once all the kids once all the girls graduated and moved out she moved they sold the townhouse and she moved back in and they're still married and happy and the kids all get along great now and the kids always got along pretty well but everybody gets along great now so and in the article the point was that like one of the biggest reasons for divorces and blended family is just the difference in parenting and uh, I think that's one of another reason why it was so shitty of Leah to move her kids in with Jason without them having like, you know, the ability to really adjust to the fact that Jason is stricter. And here's the thing, like, I think Jason's right in a lot of this conversation um, later. Oh, wait, I don't want to skip over this because Leah's talking about how, oh, it's the day of the cheer competition. Jason's meeting them there. She says, like, she's like, you know, Jason loves you guys. He loves you guys so much. She's always talking about how much Jason loves them, which I think is inappropriate. And she says, like, Jason loves you guys and he loves me. And Allie says, of course he loves you, mom. You're his girlfriend. And then Grace says, he loves me the most because he loves me the best because I most look like you. Leah skipped right over that, but the internet did not, and I'm not going to. I thought that was really troubling and scary, and I, as I've said before, like, single moms with children are extremely vulnerable to child predators. You have to be extremely careful about what men you let around your children especially what men you let sleep in the same place as your children. Um, Like single mothers who live with children who live with mom's boyfriends are like more likely to be molested than children who don't. I'm not saying single moms should not date. That would be ludicrous, but it's just a statistic in the reality. And as I said before, like, I don't think Jason was molesting the kids. Like, that's not what I'm saying, but these little things that Grace says or that you hear, like, send off my spidey senses. And it just grosses me out. Um, I'm hoping that that was just, like, a Gracie statement that she knows she looks a lot like Leah. So, you know, like, she put in her head, well, like, Jason loves mommy because he thinks mommy's pretty. So, obviously, he likes me the best because I look most like mommy. Like, I think that could definitely be what happened. Like, Grace is nine it's easy to get from point A to point B. And she was just saying it. And I'm like, that's what I think it actually was. Like the 99% of me thinks that that's what that was. But I would be lying if I didn't say like the 1% of me like gets very scared and worried about a statement like that because that, I don't, I just don't want to get into it, but I think everybody can understand what I'm saying. It would, Let's just hope that that was like a Gracie, a Gracie observation of the fact that she knows she looks like her mom. And I pray it's not something that Jason said to her. Ugh. Uh, Leah talks about how Jason loves her, loves them because he loves her. And she comes with a lot of baggage and you guys are baggage and he loves my baggage. I thought that was so inappropriate. You don't talk to your kids about your relationship baggage. It's just like another level of where Leah's dating with her children. Like the fact that they 
are going to view themselves as baggage, is just not appropriate. Like, let them figure that out when they're 16 and start to date themselves. You know, I just thought it was so weird. It wasn't, it was such a weird statement to make. It was too adult of a conversation to have. I can't imagine telling a nine-year-old, like, well, I have a lot, especially when that's my child, like, well, I have a lot of baggage because, you know, you three kids. So it's really hard to find a guy that will date me and love me. And he better, he's going to love you too because you guys are my suitcases that I carry around with me. Oh, Leah's just, she has no boundaries. And I think that, like, it's statements like that that facilitate Grace saying that mom's boyfriend loves me the most because I look the most like him. You know, because, and Grace is a little old, in my opinion, for, like, for things like that. Like, okay, I, I feel like I've talked about them so much in this episode, but I guess my best friend's littlest, who's turning three, said something about wanting to marry her daddy. And that's very common. Like, kids talk about that stuff all the time, but then they grow out of that. I remember when Chelsea was first dating Cole, Aubrey was like, that's my boyfriend. But she was like four or five. Grace, I think, is getting lost in a lack of boundaries that she's at least mentally inserting herself into, like, Leah and Jason's relationship and where her place is in Leah and Jason's relationship. And I don't mean, like, she thinks she's dating Jason. I just think that, like, she is trying to figure out her place in, like, this weird thing that she doesn't quite understand that I'm sure she does not feel when she's at Corey and Miranda's house. Um, Because Jason is just, like, a new guy, but he's not a parent figure to her, but he's also... Like, somebody she understands dating. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling a little. But I just think that these lack of boundaries and this, like, totally open communication that Leah has with the girls really isn't healthy and it's confusing to them. And I can't imagine being, like, a nine-year-old and having to figure out, like, my place when it comes to, like, who my mom is dating. You know? And, like, if we're living with this guy, if he likes me, if he doesn't. Um, Leah, like, is like, do you guys love Jason? You love Jason, right? And they, they don't say anything. And Leah's like, just say yes or no. Which is, like, you don't ask kids that. Like, kids will let you know if they love someone. Also, like, kids change their mind, like, every day on who they love and who they don't love. They change their mind every hour, depending on who they like best. She specifically calls Grace out. She's like, Grace, you didn't answer. And Grace is like, Sure. Oh, it's just so, and this is what I mean, like, that's why I think Grace is thinking of herself, like, in reference to who Jason likes the best based on her mother's look, because Leah's like, don't you love him? Don't you love him? I think she's just very, very confused. Um, Leah and Jason have a conversation about the girls and their parenting styles, and Leah says she's a little bit of a pushover, and Jason says, I don't want to break the kids. Well, yeah, I kind of had to break them. He said, I'm the alpha in this house, and I have to be the alpha in this house. (laughs) Which is, uh, you know, okay. Um, But the way he said it was weird, but I don't disagree with him. Like, I always tell kids when I'm babysitting or, like, my nieces and my nephew, like, I keep it very clear that I'm the adult and I'm in charge and they're never going to win against me. Like, of course there's room for communication It's not about being a hard ass. I'm definitely not a hard ass of an adult. But 
I agree with Jason that there needs to be clear boundaries and like there needs to be a clear person who's in charge. I don't think it should be like a fool because I said so. But the fact is like a kid has to know that there is an adult in charge. And I think that clearly don't they don't have that with Leah. And I don't think it's bad that that's Jason's parenting style. I just thought it was kind of silly how he said like, I'm the alpha. Jason's like, well, if they're being disrespectful, I'll go off and shut off the power to the whole house. (laughs) I don't know. Jason actually didn't bother me in this scene. Sorry, guys. If this bothered you, you know, feel free to let me know. But, like, I actually didn't think Jason was wrong in this scene. Now, would I think turning off the power of the house was dramatic? Yeah, of course. But I don't disagree with him. Leah's like, well, I take the phone for two days. And I was like, Okay, I mean, two days is, like, nothing, but at least she takes the phone. I'd be surprised if she takes the phone at all. Um, Jason says that he doesn't want to be a jerk who just comes in and is mean, and I think that is the important thing. So this is another thing that Leah and Jason did wrong, is that they moved the girls in so quickly, is that they, like, couldn't get used to... they They haven't had time to adjust to Jason's parenting style, and I think it's probably also hard because Jason is a kid, and they just are... Jason is probably being too hard with Leah's girls, and that's not really fair to them because they're used to being, their mom being like a big pushover and getting whatever they want. So uh, Leah says that, I guess one day Jason like flipped out on them and told them they can't speak to their mother that way. And Leah's like, I've never had a man like stick up for me that way. And for one reason, I'd say this would be a good reason for Leah and Jeremy to get back together. Is because Jeremy doesn't give a fuck and he doesn't give a fuck about parenting and will let Leah just do whatever the fuck she wants. And I think, I wonder if that's part of the reason that Leah went back to sleeping with Jeremy after this. I think that they'll run into their old issues and as soon as Jeremy's gone on a long work site, like, she'll be back to having issues with him. But I think Leah really wants a guy like Jason that's, like, super into her and loves her and wants to have a family with her and wants to check in with her. And all that stuff, but also a guy that, like, will kind of let her do whatever with her kids. And I'm not sure that that person exists. I think you probably have a guy like Jason who's, like, super into being a family, but then also parents your kids. Where you have a guy like Jeremy who, when he's around, like, lets you do whatever you want, but then doesn't give a fuck when he's not there. So, yeah, I'm curious to see where Lee and Jeremy go, because I think that she probably likes that Jeremy just, like, lets her be a pushover and doesn't say boo and doesn't have any interest in parenting. But then when he goes away, we obviously know that she has an issue with it. So, yeah, that's it for this week. Let's hope that I'm able to send this episode out (laughs) with my internet being down. Love you guys. Have a good week. I feel like I just really abruptly was like, that's it for this week. But that is it for this week. That's all that happened. Why am I getting my head over this? All right, guys. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos